Hey everybody, this is The Big Ticket, Variety and iHeart's new film podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today we've got episode two of the three-part Avengers Endgame special. Coming up, Chris Hemsworth talking about hanging up his Thor hammer. Jeremy Renner explains why he wasn't in Infinity War. And last but not least, the Russo brothers sharing why they're not thinking about another Avengers movie anytime soon. Stay tuned. If you're like me and spend hours on Instagram scrolling past all the over-filtered, perfect highlight reels of other women and just wish you had someone to commiserate with about your nightly shame spirals, I have great news for you. I'm Jade Iovine, and I'm the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that's here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to, yes, even that one, also have lives that are far from perfect. Whether it's admitting all the times you've texted your ex, navigating the world of fertility treatments, or feeling like the only one in the room with depression, nothing quite compares to the relief you feel when another woman admits they've stood exactly where you are and lived to tell the tale. So cancel that Zoom happy hour. You know you didn't want to go anyway. And come hang with me as I talk to women I respect about all the insecurities, mistakes, and the heartbreaks that they don't normally post about on Instagram. Join me for Heart to Hearts with Tech CMO Bozema St. John, environmentalist and influencer Steph Shep, actress Jamie Lynn Siegler, and many more. Listen to Tell Me About It with Jade Iovine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Right now, I've got Chris Hemsworth talking about hanging up his Thor hammer. How are you? Good, man. <clears throat> Very good. On this mad, mad press tour? It's great. I know. How is the press tour going for you? Really good. This is kind of the beginning of it. Um, and it's always nice to be on a press tour talking about a film that people are enthusiastic about and I've had I mean, a few where people don't really care and this isn't one of them. This is the, there's more enthusiasm and build up for this than anything I've ever been a part of. So do you ever get cool. used to how the fandom is just so passionate and crazy for it? Yeah, but not to the point where you take it for granted. I think it right. just becomes more and more evident how lucky we are and fortunate to have fans like this and, and uh, People warned all of us about it at separate times prior to coming into it, you know, and, and they were certainly well aware of not screwing it up or trying not to screw it up because <laughs> we were warned and threatened on many occasions. Um, but to be here now, you know, 22 films later. And, 22 and, and, films. I think so, yeah. Is that it? 22, yeah. yeah. 10, 11 years worth. And, and um, to be a part of it and have people still this um, excited to to be on this journey with us and, and, in fact, more excited than ever. You know, there was – I remember – probably in Avengers 1, that, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, well, you know, superhero to fatigue and are people going to keep watching them? And yet here we are with, you know, no sign of slowing <laughs> down. So it's Do cool. you ever see yourself hanging, hanging up the hammer? Oh, look, you know, there'll come a day and whether it's now or in the future, I don't know. Right now we're kind of, this is the sort of finale for this phase of Marvel's phase three or, phase or three, what yeah. I think it's called. Yeah, um, phase three. Uh, and who knows what the sort of future holds, whether they <laughs> there could be remakes, sequels, prequels, <laughs> who knows. Um, but right now, this is certainly the sort of you know, culmination of years and years and, and, as I said, 22 films. So. That's a lot of films. Could you name them all? 
No. Thor <laughs> <laughs> uh, four one, Thor four two, Thor three. Yeah. Um, when you found out who was going to be disintegrated, like mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying the verb right, <clears throat> to be disintegrated or who's going to disintegrate. Right, yeah. yeah. How Sounds- did you find out and were you surprised who ended up? Um, I think much like this film, most of us kind of had just been given our piece of the of the script and 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 – until the premiere, I didn't know who was turning to dust or disintegrated or whatever. You know, really? I, I, I honestly I hadn't read the script, and it was kind of the fun. You know, I mean, most of the time with these films, anyway, I feel like I'm as much a fan as anyone else and excited to see them. But in particular with these two films, because there was so much secrecy and no one really knew what anyone else was doing <laughs> intentionally, I was surprised and you know, <laughs> heartbroken and all those sort of emotions that I think the audience went through. You know. Are you ever looking forward to the day when you just don't have to work out and have the Thor body? No, not really, because it's like, it, it, I mean, if I don't work out, that's when things start to hurt and I start to right. feel like, oh, God, I'm, you know, I'm, my, my body's deteriorating. <laughs> and so, you know, the movement for me and, and the constant sort of training and, and so on is, I mean, that's where my energy comes from. And that's where sort of, you know, that movement creates more motivation and more, more sort of activity and, um, and and I've been hired and paid to, you know, stay fit. So what a luxury that has been and, and the education that's given me is incredible. But um, I'd like to still think even outside of playing this character, I, you know, I enjoy staying busy and, and having an athletic sort of attitude. So how big do you have to get to play Hulk Hogan? Because that's a, that's a different <laughs> right. big. Yeah, that's a different big. That's a, that's a, that, that's a like, you know. Is it, can you turn that one around again afterwards kind of big? <laughs> um, I don't know. And that's still a ways off, you know. They're, they're writing the script now and there's some really great discussions with Todd Phillips about it. But, yeah, the, the I was thinking about the other day about the amount of sort of different style of training too. Right. I can be kind of more functional and build up, you know, cosmetically certain parts, of, you know, your bicep curls and so on. But the, that kind of weight you're talking about for that character would be some serious kind of power lifting and, and – uh, We'll see. <laughs> That's it. So a lot, you, a so lot you, more <laughs> calories. So yeah. you haven't done the wardrobe fitting yet for all those spare No, 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 no. It, it is a ways off. Yeah. <laughs> How did that come about? How did I was just talking to Todd Phillips. Um, there were some sort of discussions about that story and at what point of his life we're going to tell it and so on. And had a conversation with him maybe a year ago, and and it took a different sort of creative, you know, journey, I guess. And for Netflix, though. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much discussion about Netflix mm-hmm. and streamers. Are they movies? Are they not movies? How much yeah. theatrical release they should get? Mm-hmm. Um, Is it, do you think it's some people who are just fighting things that are changing? Yeah, I mean, either way for me, I love to just keep making movies, you know, mm-hmm. and um, keep playing characters that interest me and keep having fun. And that's what I love doing. That's why I do this. Um, you know, streaming versus cinema, it's a very different experience, but as long as we're still able to tell stories and, and entertain and, and 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 enjoy the sort of movie-going experience, um, I don't know, wherever that defines itself is always going to change and evolve and transfer from one sort of medium to another. And, 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 and I don't know, I don't have a, um, a strong sort of opinion about to one or the other. You know, I don't know. So what do you watch on Netflix? Which Netflix series get you? Um, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I mean, if you looked at my Netflix kind of, because you've watched this, then the we're going to suggestions. Yeah. suggestions. 
It's full of like kids' movies because my three kids kind of <laughs> run my Netflix account, so it's full of cartoons and stuff. So. <laughs> Do you think there should be an intermission for Avengers Endgame? I don't think people would want it. I think like yeah, pre-knowing that it's a three-hour movie, you'd go, oh, God, we're going to need a break. But I think that's what makes this thing so special. I don't think anyone's going to want to get up out of their seat and or need to. It's going to probably fly by. Fox and Disney together. Yeah. So, which X Men, Deadpool, Wolverine? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to see in the Avengers world? Hmm. Um, I couldn't say uh, Cable because he kind of, you know, mm-hmm. he's in kind of both worlds, <laughs> isn't he? Uh, I mean, Deadpool, and I know Taika Waititi's good friends with Ryan Reynolds. I know Ryan. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? To sort of cross paths, just on a personal level, because we're mates. But. Um, <laughs> He's also just, I think, one of the coolest characters from (laughs) (laughs) from that world. He's kind of leading the pack, I think, yeah. And how well do you know your co-stars? Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Has he ever won an Oscar? And if so, which movie? Uh, Did he win for Chaplin? I don't don't think he did. He's nominated. Did he win? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, I'd like to think he did. I'd like to think he did. He deserves one. Did he win? That was a good answer. He did not win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should have. Scarlett Johansson. She did a cover album, a cover of one particular artist. What did she do? Uh, I don't know. Um... No. (laughs) It's not going to come to me. What is it? It's not. Tom Waits. No. That wasn't. That's not what you were thinking. That wasn't 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 anywhere in there. So which Avenger... Mm -hmm was a stripper in their past. Mm. Um, I want to say like Chris Evans, but I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people want to say that. Because <laughs> he, uh, yeah, it's my own personal sort of dreams, but because um, he, he likes to dance, I guess. It wasn't though, was it? No. I have a second guess. Uh, Jeremy Renner? Some people have guessed that, but yeah. no. No. Chris Pratt. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Wow, how long? He for? said he wasn't very successful. Wow. Has it been on is it recorded? Like Channing's kind of Yeah, thing, by right? Channing's been recorded. <laughs> and then we have Magic Mike, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've been asking people a lot, if you were on Australia's Got Talent or Australia's mm-hmm. Dancing with the Stars. Which I was. <clears throat> Which yeah. one do you think people are th- guessing? Oh, if I was? Oh yeah. I just gave it away. Um they'd probably if they've seen me dance, they'd probably say there's no way I would have subject myself to a dancing show. <laughs> um, but um, I may have been on that show. You are, <laughs> and you did good. Earned me a couple of dollars to come here and work in this <laughs> fine country. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. This is great. Cheers, Good man. seeing you. That was Chris Hemsworth. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. But coming up, Jeremy Renner. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So... If you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Mark Malkin, and this is The Big Ticket. Now we have Jeremy Renner talking about why he wasn't in Infinity War. What do we talk about since you're not allowed to talk about anything? I don't know. We could talk about you. Know, <laughs> you know, going grocery shopping or something. Yeah. What'd you get this morning? <laughs> <laughs> haven't gone yet. Uh, my little lady waiting at home. My, my baby, she turned six a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I have to go go grocery shopping, which I do love to do. But yeah. because of Avengers, it makes it very difficult to go grocery shopping. Um, Listen, you go walk outside the hallway here, and there's a whole slew <laughs> of groceries with your face on it, Nutella. I know, it was weird. It's, it's a new thing. Bag. You're on a Cheerios box all of a sudden. How weird is that for you? That, that's that's a weird thing, right? There's you know stuff like that when that happens. I remember like when I was a kid growing up like in the 70s, uh, you know, a Wheaties box, if you got on that, yeah. like, like, wow, you're like a big sports star or something. Yeah. So certain weird things like that kind of slap you in the yeah. face once in a while. I'm on a Cheerios box. Yeah, I'm on underwear too. That's weird. You're on underwear. That was That's another on. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're starting out in the biz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be on. Yeah. Underwear. Underwear. Mm. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> so what happened? Yeah. Why were you in Infinity War? Can we just get the story straight? <laughs> I can come up with a lot of things, but I think it ultimately had to do with. Um, this is storytelling of it all and effective storytelling and we leave it to the <laughs> Russo brothers to 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 make those decisions and, and Feige and all them. And, and it was, I think, the, the right thing uh, to do. And, um, you know, I went on vacation. Uh, stuff to do, man. I take a break, right? <laughs> now, did you know what was going to happen or did you not know until you saw it? All you ever kind of know in these scenarios because the storytelling is so big and so vast. Look, it took 22, 21 films to get to this film. Right. Right? That's giant storytelling. It's a decade uh, storytelling. The only thing I'm, I I can do, which is different than other movies, is like you just stick to what I got to do and what my point of it is, right? Mm-hmm. In other films, I think about the audience and the director's perspective right. blah, 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 and really try to help the, the director help tell the story and, and encompass that. But I can only do that by just by doing my part in, in this thing. And um, that's what makes it all so exciting for for uh, for us, all of us, too, to watch the film, we're just as surprised as anybody else is. What did you I've not seen a stitch of this film. Can't wait to see it. I'm just I'm a fan out, just like everybody else does. What did you think that when you saw Infinity War and you saw <clears throat> these characters disintegrating? It's really sad. Um, yeah, that was that was. Uh, it's a weird that, that image image of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I heard about the idea. <laughs> and then, but when I saw it, and I only saw it recently, by the way. Really? Yeah, didn't it come out like Wait. a year ago or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, guess yeah. that's pretty recent. I'm a little late to the game. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when I actually saw it, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's, the, the visual of that's pretty affecting. It's like, yeah. oh, wait, what does that mean? You tell you me. Know? Yeah, well, I can't tell you. I, <laughs> I do know what it means, but like, wow. What is the penalty of you? <clears throat> I'm glad I was on vacation. <laughs> what is the penalty of... <laughs> Given a spoiler. <laughs> well, it's really, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a giant disservice to, to moviegoers. Yeah. Because there's people that will, will do that, you know? And I think that's quite sad. Yeah. Um, especially for, you know, a big movie like this, you know, sort of a small little independent film, like maybe not as important, but like this is a, a giant movie. And, you know, who wants to ruin that for somebody? And a longer movie. Do you yeah. think there should be an intermission for Endgame? It's funny, like I remember producing a movie 
And I remember people, we, it was tested, you test it, right? And people watch it, da, 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 and they said it felt a little long. Well, we added another 10 minutes to it. And then they said it felt shorter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's never about, it, it's, just, it's sort of like, are you in with the characters? Right. Are you in with the story? Or are you like, okay, we get it. We're, the audience is too far ahead. Right. You're in the third act and, right? You don't want the audience too far ahead knowing and you gotta right. keep them engaged. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I've not seen this, this movie. So it's never about the runtime. It's always about, are you engaged or not? Do you ever see yourself hanging up the Hawkeye hat? I guess when I, I can't lunge anymore, I suppose, you know, I, I know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm always happy to, to, to keep going as long as you know, would, people would, would want it, you know. What was your uh, favorite stunt in all of these <clears throat> movies to do? Oh, and there's so many, there's so many. It's not a guy that flies around or anything, right? It's a right. very tactile, yeah. you know, um, skill set that he's got. And uh, I think the, the one on the first Avengers, I remember, it's it's a it's kind of a big stunt where I jump off the, you know, slaying a bunch of you know bad guys, and I jump off this building and I shoot a grappling hook. Mm -hmm. Doing that was really fun because it's, it's a practical thing, right. right? So I got to jump off like two story ledge onto this, this mat. <laughs> since I had to turn, but a little difficult to kind of turn, pull an arrow, and, just, you know, and not look like many, a complete many, jackass, how right? How many takes did it take? Uh, I probably did. I probably did like five. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a little trickier than I thought it would be. And your mm -hmm. your haircut for this one. Let's talk about that little mohawk. You yeah, got that's you know, like you know, just like our costumes, you know, they always change from um, from show to show, and um, everything. The tech changes, hair changes. You know, Thor had these Goldilocks, beautiful <laughs> mane. Now he's got short hair. Right? But it's just all part of character. You know, there's a reason, rhyme for it, and not a vanity thing. Why do you think these movies resonate so much? Why does the MCU mean so much? You to know, so many I think people? they did a right on the on the first Avengers and, and really stuck with it. I think always and, and always did. Like I I joined the the MCU because of, of Iron Man, and they made this very unrealistic idea very plausible. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm like, wow, that that I actually buy that. Right. And I'm a I'm a Kind of a prick. I'm a, kind of a critic to that. I'm like, oh, wow, you're going to fly around in this iron suit. Why you can you use iron, right? <laughs> Is it iron? It's not, you know what I mean? Well, all these right, type of right. things that, that uh, I don't know. But yeah, they made it like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then, you know, Danny's so charming. And then you know, go to the Avengers that, that where I came in um, after Thor. They have a really good sense of humor about making fun of yourselves, right? And they're all flawed superheroes, right? That's that's pretty number one. Right. And then the sense of humor behind it as well. But it's serious and it needs to be serious. And then it's, you know, you can make you can make fun of yourself and at the, the ridiculousness of right. the situation. You know, well, Shakespeare in the Park line. I remember what Dead Downey said with, with <laughs> Loki. Anything? Remember? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's just genius. It's stuff like that. So, fun little thing, how well do you know your co-stars? Very, very well. Did Robert Downey Jr. ever win an Oscar? If so, for which movie? I think he was nominated for Chaplin. Can't tell you if he won or not. He didn't win, but he was nominated. Yeah, I remember his outfit that he wore. He had a, he had a pretty <laughs> flamboyant outfit at the Oscars. <laughs> I remember, that's why I remember it. You know. Scarlett Johansson, she did a cover album of which artist? A cover, a whole cover album. Yep, cover album. I know she's been singing. I know she did. I just looked her up on Spotify, actually, so randomly, but I didn't see an album of what she did. Tom Waits. Waits. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Which Avengers? Which Avenger was a stripper before 
they made it in the business. Did you say he? <laughs> that helps. Okay, narrows yeah, it down. You got it. Okay. That narrows it down. <laughs> now, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just going to have to throw one out there. Um, uh, is it like Tom? Holland? No, no. I was it was Loki, Loki. Young. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Tell me. A, no. No? No. He seems like a stripper to me. <laughs> in well, a good way there's nothing wrong with being a stripper right nothing wrong with being you're a stripper you're connected to your body right? I don't know Chris Pratt Pratt yeah was he he was my neighbor stripper. too you never saw him stripping <sighs> no I've not seen that well I have to tell you everyone I've I must been. be hysterical it must be so funny Every, I couldn't take it seriously everyone we've done this quiz with you know who they think the stripper was who you <laughs> Hey, Hiddleston, I'm right there with you, bud. Well, you did say earlier in this interview is when you can't do the lunges anymore. That's right. Well, Scarlett says you have a nice lunge squat, and that's why she thought you'd be a stripper. Uh, yeah, you get it now. Chris Hemsworth, was he on Australia's Dancing with the Stars or Australia's Got Talent? Dancing with the Stars. That's right. Yeah. Have you seen the videos? Yeah. And you know, yep. awesome. Jeremy, yep. thank you so much. You're great. I have so many yeah. more questions I can give you. <laughs> what? No way! That was Jeremy Renner. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Russo Brothers. Hey, everybody. This is Jake Brennan, host of Disgraceland and the 27 Club. I want to talk to you about another podcast that I produce called Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story. Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story is a 10-episode look at the madness and genius of record producer Phil Spector. Phil Spector and the music he created shifted and shaped American culture. But behind his famous wall of sound, there was a darkness, violence, and an intense inferiority complex that those who knew him and worked with him were all too familiar with, and that led to the senseless murder of actress Lana Clarkson. With Phil's recent death in the news, Blood on the Tracks has become all the more relevant. Just like Phil Spector, this podcast sounds like nothing you've heard before because you can't push the needle into the red without leaving a little blood on the tracks. Listen to Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Mark Malkin, and this is The Big Ticket. Right now, we've got the Russo brothers, and they're telling me why they're not thinking about directing another Avengers movie anytime soon. What is the penalty if they do say something? Shame that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Depression. <laughs> no money. They don't have the number yeah. of money. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, do they have. They have to uh, weather the ire of fans. 
And I think, look, at the end of the day, all this is about is like preserving the integrity of the movie going experience for people who've been on this ride for 11 years of their life. I mean, can you imagine if you really cared about this and somebody ruined it for you before you even got in the theater? It'd be devastating to you. So why, why do that? How do you keep guys keep it this story straight? Like, how do you know you're doing this five years ago and it's going to affect something five years from now? And is well, it a flow chart? Do you have a room with string? No, it's movie, it's, a, it's movie to movie, frankly. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lot of possibilities. Like, you never really know what the future holds. Like, you know, it's like, we, you know, you don't cross that bridge till you come to it. Mm -hmm. So we may make choices on Winter Soldier that could have implications down the road. But we don't necessarily know exactly what we're going to do with those until we get there. You know what I mean? So I mean, we had inklings of an idea that like we knew it would be combustible in Winter Soldier if we put a photograph of Bucky when Zola's sort of at the computer talking mm -hmm. about Hydra's history. And we put a photograph of Bucky very close to the photograph of the death of Howard Stark. Uh, and then when we sat down to do civil war and we're talking about, well, you know, so how do we instigate a civil war a divorce a Kramer versus Kramer amongst these characters? Oh, well, we have this, you know, I mean, Bucky killed Tony's father that you can't find anything sort of more Shakespearean than that right. is that, you know, uh, Steve's been hiding the secret from him. So um, it's that's really how these movies evolve. It's an examination of the prior film. Is there ever a moment where you're working on one and you're like, oh, we did that in the last one. We've got to address that. Where it's just going to be hanging there. Yeah, you do. There's a lot of yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of brains on these. I mean, we work in conjunction with uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. We've done all four movies with them. They're the writers. Yeah, I just did. I actually yeah. just moderated a panel with them. Yeah, they're oh, great. Um, oh, they're awesome. They're the, yeah. the, the best writers yeah. in the business. And they, you know, I mean, this is like you know four brains that are constantly on the material, asking questions. I'll just some you know sometimes when I'm on a plane I'll just put on an older Marvel film just to remember some of the mythology to refresh my brain as we're working on the next movie. Oh yeah, we I forgot we did this or we said that or there's a nuance there that we can play off of and then we all do that. Feige is of course like an encyclopedia of information about the Marvel <laughs> universe and he has a whole team uh, that uh, you know the sort of like the heads of state that uh, you know, Marvel at work with him. Why do why do you think these movies resonate so much with people? They're sort of essential mythology, and mm. these are archetypal characters. And I think that because the mythology is so dense, that everyone can find a character that they can relate to in some way. I also think they're very flawed, and that you know, essentially, that beyond like the spectacle and the costumes, you know, there's a psychological realism, at least in the movies that we've, you know, uh, made there. That's been, I think, a constant for us is trying to imbue with some sort of a emotional truth or psychological realism in the way that people behave. Mm -hmm. So they feel very human to you and accessible, even though they can ascend beyond that. How, how do you guys decide who gets disintegrated? Well, that's all a function of story, honestly. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, we really, it's the same way we decide everything else in the narrative. You know, it's just, it's running through the character arcs that we're following. The meter we always use is ourselves. You know, it's like, how do we surprise ourselves? How do we, how do we, thrill ourselves? How do we go somewhere we weren't thinking about? How do we how do we land somewhere that we feel like is challenging or or, or problematic or, or on some level? Because that that's when we know we're we're in the sort of like risable areas of mm. narrative, you know, that the combustible areas. So what's something that you really wanted in one of your movies and it just didn't work? You oh, really geez. wanted it to happen. I'm trying to think of like I know we've made a lot of choices and then moved off those choices. I mean, it's an iterative process developing the scripts. So there are characters who are in movies and then completely disappear from movies. I think you know, Civil War was a series of things that that happened that we really wanted to happen, but 
maybe almost didn't happen, meaning we had to convince Robert Downey, who was not under contract to do Civil War, to do that movie and to essentially play a bad guy. So how do you convince him? Drive out to his house. A lot of meetings in Malibu. (laughs) (laughs) You go out to his house and you sit and he's incredibly thoughtful and uh, he's a true artist and one of the great actors of his generation. And you have a creative conversation with him about it and just say, look, we're going to try and do something really risky here. We want to deconstruct. We want to really inject some, uh, some edge and some tension into these stories. And he has to keep telling these stories. So he wants to play something compelling. And so when you say to him, hey, you get to be a villain and it's going to make, you know, your next few movies a lot more interesting and give you more to play, then it's not that hard to sell. So how many movies are you guys signed to do? Well, we, we've only <laughs> taken it one at a time, really? honestly. Yeah. Except for uh, Infinity War and Endgame. But that was a, that was a duo. Yeah. Um, but um, we don't have any plans to do any more movies with Marvel. Now, we love Marvel. We couldn't love them more. And these, our working experience on these films has been among the greatest in our careers. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line we end up doing something when we find the right story. And, um, but right now, this is it. And part of the great, big creative upside of that for us was we got to do the conclusion of the, of the of this first 22 movie run of, of, of the MCU without thinking about the future, mm. you know? And that was the first time I think Joe and I really weren't thinking about where does the story go after this? We, we were vo- just focused on the road that, that, that these movies have traveled and how do we bring the most epic conclusion to that road? If the Disney Fox merger means that X-Men come over, Deadpool comes over, would you want those folks in the Avengers movies? I think everyone has a PhD in content, right? Like we consume <laughs> staggering amounts of content. A 10 year old can watch five minutes of movie and tell you how it's gonna end, you know, it's just intuitive. Uh, and so I think, you know, we can handle, and by we, I mean the audience can handle volumes of information thrown at them. And in fact, they like the density. Uh, or there's a certain segment of the audience that clearly likes the density, Game of Thrones, the Marvel Universe, you know. Uh, so I think adding more characters creates more complications, more archetypes, more potential for identification. I do think that, uh, you know, it's a very clear mandate of Marvel's moving forward that uh, for diversity. These are movies that reach global audiences and uh, everyone has the right to see themselves on screen. And I think, um, I think that, you know, the more characters that there are, the more diverse the characters are, that the more global and communal the movies become. Victoria Alonso told me at the Captain Marvel premiere, that the world is ready for an LGBTQ superhero. Mm-hmm. I know you guys have spoken a little bit about that. It's yeah. coming. It's time. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Way yeah. Past I, I don't know if they've they've officially announced what it is yet, but we're going to let them do that. But it, it's going to come very quickly. How do you think the world will react? I mean, I think that the, the world will react the way that they've reacted to all, all diversification movies. Is that, you know, people who love these movies are going to be excited as hell. And I think... Uh, we're as excited as hell. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, everyone has the right to see themselves in these stories. And should there be an intermission during Endgame? You know, we didn't design it for one. <laughs> um, and it, it, there's really no good spot. So we, we've been telling people to like, you know. It's like make, surgery prep, right? Yeah. Just don't drink or eat after midnight. And you're going to be great. <laughs> you know? When did you know that the movie was going to run? What is it? Three hours? How many? It was three hours. Three hours. I mean, you know, right from the script phase, we knew it. It was, you know, again, bringing closure 
to the to 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 this story is a very difficult thing to do on a narrative level, and it required that kind of space. The movie, and you feel it. No, nobody who's seen the movie so far says anything about length. Does anyone at Disney or Marvel say, "Hey guys"? No, they watch Thanks. it. They literally watch it. They go, "Yeah, that's what it should be." Wow, you know, they've been exceedingly supportive of it. And it's look, it's how do you wrap up twenty two movies in anything less than that? And we're you know, we're committed to emotional stakes and that takes story time and real estate, screen real estate. And, you know, all you're gonna end up doing is cutting uh, emotional moments down and nobody wants to see that. What is the future of filmmaking when you see, you know, companies like, you know, Katzenberg putting together a company where it's content in 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you, yeah, see, do you see yourselves doing stuff like that? Smaller Netflix projects? We love every we love kind yeah. of, you know, outlet for storytelling. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. And I've got four kids and I'm just watching the way that they consume content. It's exceedingly different than the way that we do, but I'm excited by that. I think that like, you know, you know, the impressionists have to step aside at some point and let the next <laughs> generation of painters come in and, tell, and, and, and paint the way that they want to paint. So <clears throat> let's let the next generation of storytellers come in and tell the story the way that they want to tell the story. We love things that force you to work in new ways because we think that the structural changes you have to make to do that can lead to like creative originality, you know, and create and pushing into areas that you never have before. It's like Joe, our whole career we've structured like that. We have we started as like really micro budgeted indie filmmakers. We segued into television. We did comedy, drama. We do big movies. We shoot commercials. We we love everything you can do with cinema, and the fact that that what you can do with cinema just continues to become more and more diverse is amazing for us. And I think amazing for filmmakers and for people who love stories. I have to ask you about Tom Holland playing a veteran <laughs> and an opioid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's he prepping for that? Uh, it's intense prep. I mean, it's certainly like this is a big shift for all of us as at, uh, doing a treatise on the opioid epidemic. And um, we've lost people very close to us to the epidemic. And so this is a very personal and passionate project for us. You know, the book is sort of loosely based on a uh, true story. And, um, and, you know, I think um, a very challenging role for him, and he's he's um, you know he's really uh, working hard preparing for it. I think um, both mentally and physically. I find these movies they make it way too pretty. Mm -hmm. right. Like it's yeah. there's mm -hmm. nothing pretty about it, mm -hmm. and the the actors, the team, they have to go that extra length. I think to make it as realistic as possible. Well, yeah, you, you know, if you've read the book Cherry by Nico Walker, I mean, there, I think it. it it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. There's it's unflinching. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's a difficult. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. This thank great. you. I cannot wait to see it. That was Joe and Anthony Russo. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Don't forget to come back tomorrow for the final installment of my big Avengers Endgame special. I've got Paul Rudd talking about that really crazy Ant-Man Thanos theory Plus, Don Cheeto on why he wants to see Deadpool join the Avengers.